ask this morning. Anybody have a question? Any questions this morning? No questions? You just let me down. Just let me down. <laughs> All right. Anybody? All right. Well, go to First uh, Corinthians chapter six, then. First Corinthians chapter six. And um, this was a question someone sent me. Um, I'm reading through 1 Corinthians 6, which I understood to be explaining lawsuits between brothers. I'm assuming that means like Christian brothers. My question is verse 3. Could you point me to another verse to help me understand? I'm assuming we are judging the fallen angels, or will the others receive rewards? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, verse number one, he says, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye uh, unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Right? So the question is, I, I'm, I'm thinking here uh, as we're reading this passage, um, my question is verse 3. Could you point me to another verse to help me understand? I'm assuming we are judging the fallen angels or will the, other, or will the others receive reward? So when, I think it's in verse number 3. Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life, right? Um, so obviously in this passage, these couple verses here, this is dealing with what is kind of what we would say, what is the topic here? What's the topic? Settling disputes, okay? Settling disputes. Anybody else? Will be the topic here. Judging, judging right? Judging um, or giving judgment, right? Um, anybody else? What's that? Unity among believers, right? Unity among believers. Okay, good. Right. So. Um, before we get to verse number three, again, we've got to understand kind of what this, what this is talking about, right? Um, and so when we look here, um, again, we, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, which the church of Corinth was, um, it was not what we would say the, the example that you would want to follow as a church, okay? <laughs> right? Uh, that's putting it mildly, okay? Um, they were believers, there's no doubt about that, because Paul even talks about that. They, some of them got, had gotten saved when Paul was there, and then some had gotten saved through the ministry of uh, Apollos. Some had gotten saved through the ministry of Peter, right? Uh, if you go back to 1 Corinthians, um, in, uh, let's see, um, in chapter 1, uh, obviously he just kind of begins, this is not, you know, not the greatest, again, not the greatest church to, to follow. Um, in verse number 10, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. So there's that idea of unity, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto you, brethren, 
which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ, right? So there's this church in Corinth that Paul had helped to establish when Paul had gone to Corinth on one of his missionary journeys. Some people got saved. Well, then um, some other people began to join the church, and we thank God for that, right, that other people began to join the church. Well, um, some people ended up showing up, and they had been saved through the ministry of the Apostle Peter, right? And they, they joined the church of Corinth. And then some others uh, had gotten saved through the ministry of Apollos, and they joined the church, right? And some others, when Christ was living on the earth, when Christ was alive before his death, uh, buried and resurrection and ascension, they had heard Christ speak, and they had believed. And so there were some that had uh, believed on Christ when he was alive, and they had joined the church, that's an awesome thing, right? That's wonderful, right? You had people from different ministries that had gotten saved, right? And they were now all part of this church in Corinth. What was the problem, though? They began to think that because they had gotten saved through a specific individual, that that made them better than the other people that had gotten saved through different ones, right? Um, because some had gotten saved through the Apostle Paul. Well, he was the founder of the church, right? He was the one that had led us to the Lord. So we must be better than those that just Peter, you know, or we're, we're better than those that are of Apollos. I mean, Apollos wasn't even one of the, one of the apostles, right? Um, and then there are those saying, hey, well, we got, you know, we believed under Christ, can't get much better than that, right? I mean, so we must be better than all of you. And so there's this division here, and Paul is saying, what is going on? Why is there such division here, right? Did Paul save you? No. Did Apollos save you? No. Did Peter save you? No. Who saved you? Christ did. Christ saved you, right? It's not about the person that led you to Jesus Christ, okay? Praise, you know, I thank the Lord that there are some in here that I had the privilege of leading to Christ. But you know what? I didn't save you, you know? And there are some in here that got saved from other ministries. Praise God for that. But you know what? That person didn't save you. The Lord Jesus Christ did. He saved us, right? And so this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, this is, this is not something that we should be divided about, right? So you've got this whole division here. And again, one of the problems that was taking place was the believers were taking other believers to court. They were suing other believers, right? Somebody did something against me, and so I'm going to take them to court, right? I'm going to take them before court, and I'm going to sue them, or I'm going to get what I get out of it, right? And so he says, dare any of you, in, verse, in chapter 6, dare any of you have a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? He says, now think, think this through with me, right? He says, you're believers, you're saved, you're, you're Christians, and then you want to take another believer before an unjust person before these unjust judges and courts and things, right? Who these people are not believers, okay? Now, what, what is the problem with this? Okay, now, please don't, don't get me wrong. Do not, please do not ever misunderstand what I'm saying here. Paul is not saying that it's, it's not wrong to take someone to court, 
That's not what Paul is saying here, right? Paul's not saying that it's even necessarily wrong to take a Christian to court. Okay? What, what is Paul saying here? Why is he saying here? He's, I mean, it, it almost seems like that, right? He says in verse number one, there any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? What is, what is Paul trying to, what is he trying to explain here? What's he trying to say? Ms. Donna? Okay, they should try to work it out together. Okay, try to work it out together, right? Anybody else? What's, what's he trying to say here? Why would he, why would he say, in, in fact, again, notice, notice the words that he uses, right? Again, words are important, right? God puts words in here for a reason, okay? He says, there any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. So what is, what is he saying in that, in that verse? I thought, I thought I saw a hand. Miss Cindy? Okay, take it to the church, right? Work it out. Take it to the church, okay, right? Miss Patty? Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't, don't compromise your witness by airing your dirty laundry to unbelievers. That's, that's a really great way of putting that, right? <laughs> that's pretty good, right? So think about what he's saying. You have believers who are in the church, and then you have these unjust, these unbelievers that are dealing with court and law and things, okay? Now, again, we understand we're not saying that every person that is in government and law and things like that is supposed to be saved, although it's great if they are. But we're talking about Corinth. Corinth was a very wicked place, right, in Paul's day. It was a very worldly, sensual city, okay? Um, The court system was very unjust, if we could say, but not just unjust in their rulings, but it was because the, the people that were there were unjust, right? They were not saved, okay? And so Paul sees this church. Again, what is the purpose of the church, What's that? Okay, fellowship. We have fellowship among believers. That's true. But what, what is the, it's, it's great that we're able to fellowship, and we thank God for that, right? But what is the purpose of the local church? Okay, glorify God, right? Glorify God. Spread the gospel. Reach the community, right? The purpose of the local church is to to reach people in the community for Jesus Christ. And through that, we glorify God, right? So the purpose of the church is to, again, when we think of the local church, the local church is a representation of the body of Christ, right? It's a representation of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're from Eaton, Ohio, or if you're from uh, South America, or if you're from China, or if you're from uh, Japan or Africa. If we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, right, then we are all part of the body of Christ, right? That's why Paul says it doesn't matter if it was Peter or Apollos uh, or me or you accepted through Christ. That, 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 that's not important. What's important is we are supposed to be one, right? We're supposed to be one in Christ. We're, we're a picture of the body of Christ. Now, 
obviously, we cannot see the body of Christ worldwide, right? We can't, can't see that, okay? So what does Christ do? To be able to see Christ in what we would say in a miniature form, he establishes the local church, okay? So when people are looking at the church, and please understand when I say the church, I'm not talking about the building, okay? Thank God, God has blessed us with a, an amazing, beautiful building. But when people are talking about the church, we're not talking about the building, we're talking about the people in the church, right? So he says the local church is established to reach the community with the gospel. In order to reach the community with the gospel, there has to be unity. There has to be unity among believers because our purpose is to glorify God. Our purpose is to share Christ. Our purpose is to do all we can to bring other people to Jesus Christ. That's our purpose, okay? So if the church is in disarray, it's dysfunctional, and you've got arguments and divisions and strife and all this going on in the church, and then on top of that, now you have people in the church, again, there, there's a, the church of Corinth, there's one church here, you have people in the church that are taking other believers, right, other people in the church to court, right, and they are suing them or, or whatever it is, they're taking them before the, the unjust, they're taking them before these unbelievers, what picture does that give to the unbelieving, lost world about the church? It's chaos. It's chaos, right? There's, there's no unity. There's no desire to keep a good testimony, right? Uh, there's just, it's just nuts, right? And so... When the world sees that, they see that's what's taking place among believers. Now, again, please understand, Paul is not saying that every believer has to be in 100% agreement upon everything that everybody does. It's not what he's saying. But there needs to be a unity among the believers so that when the world, the unjust, the unbelievers look at the church, yes, they can see individuals and they can see, hey, Yes, they, they have problems and things. They're, they're not perfect people, right? But there is a unity there that they all want, they want to work it out themselves. They want to make sure that they're all on the same page because they're wanting to keep a right testimony. They're, they're wanting to keep a good testimony before those who they are around, before the world, right? So think about what he says, and this is why Paul, Paul uses such strong language. He says, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? He says, what are you doing? What are you doing? You, you have an issue with a, another brother or another sister in the church and your first response is, I'm gonna take you to court? What, what's going on? You're willing to go before the unjust, the, the ungodly? And he says, and watch what he says, and not before the saints? Okay, now stop and think with me a minute. Why would someone want to take their case before 
ungodly people, unjust people, and not before saints, not before believers. By the way, the word saints there is talking about believers, okay? Talking about believers, the other believers in the church. Why would somebody not want to do that? Why would, why would we not want to bring our issue before the church? It's not that the issue isn't known. Everybody knows the issue. That's why they're taking it to court, right? That's why they're going to court. So why wouldn't a Christian want to bring it before the church? Ms. Emily? Oh, well, that came out fast, right? They know they're wrong. They know they're wrong, and so what are they afraid is going to happen? Everybody's going to side with the other person instead of them, right, in the church, right? They know they're wrong, and so they're going to, instead of going to the church, they're going to go ahead and go outside the church, okay? That's, that's pretty good. They know they're wrong. Shannon? They want somebody on their side, right? They want somebody that is going to be on their side, right? Okay, good. Anybody else? What else? Why, why would we want to take, why do we want to take our case against another believer outside of the church to court, to these judges and things, instead of bringing it before the church? Any other, anybody else? Oh, sorry, Jeff. Okay, no doubt the secular system is going to use different principles of judging. That's, that's very true. They're not, they're not going to be concerned about unity, right? They're not going to be concerned about any of that. They're going to follow their principles, okay? Ms. Cheryl? Okay, um, maybe, I'm not, I don't know that necessarily by taking it to the court, they're wanting to cast a bad light on the church. I mean, there could be some of that, no doubt, right? Was there another hand over here? Oh. They don't want to call sin, sin, right? They, they just kind of want, want what they're doing to be accepted. Anybody else? I think these have all been really good. I think there's another issue that even Paul brings out a little bit later that really is what I would say kind of the, the root or the key behind it. Obviously, just like Miss Emily and Miss uh, uh, Hannah said, you know, we don't, we know we're wrong, right? And so we want to take it to somebody who's going to maybe side with us or whatever, right? Um, watch what he says here, and, and we'll, we'll get to verse number three in just a second. He says, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels, how much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother and that before the unbelievers. Now watch what he says here. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because ye go to law one with another. Why do ye not rather take the wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? 
Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Paul says, here's the the root issue here, right? Yes, we may acknowledge that we're, we're the one in the wrong, but here's the thing. We don't ever want to be defrauded. We are so full of pride, right, that even if someone did something to us, right, we are not willing to take the wrong, even though maybe we may not think that we necessarily did anything wrong, we are not willing to take that wrong upon ourselves. We're so full of pride, and this is what he says, why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? You see, we're so full of pride, and we think we're always right, and we think we always have the right answer, and we're the one that's in the right, and even though they're in the wrong, right, instead of recognizing, hey, this issue is causing disunity in the church, by taking it outside the church to a court of law, it's bringing a bad testimony to the church, it's bringing a bad testimony to the name of Jesus Christ, and so instead of saying, hey, you know what, I'm sorry, what can I do to make this right, and save unity in the church, and save the testimony of Christ, mm-mm, I'm not going to be defrauded, not me, I'm right, I'm in the right, and buddy, you better buckle up because I'm going to take this as far as it needs to go to make sure that everybody knows that I'm right. He says, why don't you just take, why don't you just take the wrong? That's not really what we want to hear, is it? We want to hear, you're right. Yeah, you, you're, you're right on this. That's why we take it outside the church. Because we're afraid of what the church might actually say. We're afraid that the church might actually say, hey, brother, why don't, you know, this, this really isn't a big matter. It's not a huge issue, right? Why don't you just, why don't you just take the wrong, right? Psh, not a chance. I'm not wrong. I'm right. And I'm going to make sure that everybody knows I'm right. And so what do we do? We're going to go outside the church. And again, look at what he says, right? If then, verse number four, if then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to the judge those who are least esteemed in the church. I speak this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? He said, are you telling me that in the church of Corinth, there is nobody spiritually mature enough that you could have this issue brought to and they could help resolve this? you telling me there's nobody spiritually mature enough in the church that could help resolve this issue? Now, if that's the case, if there's nobody spiritually mature enough in the church that can help resolve this issue, the church has got far serious problems. <laughs> Way bigger problems than what is being brought here. But that's what he's saying. There's nobody that can really handle this, so I'm going to have to take it outside. Right, Ms. Allison? Okay, that's, that's a great question, right? Great question. And she's not asking that to find out how to do it, okay? <laughs> a 
That's what she was saying. She's like, all right, I'm going to take some notes on this, right? How do I do this? Uh, no, that's, that's a great question. How, how do we do that, right? If we have an issue with somebody in the church, what do we do? What do we do? Go talk to them? Hmm. Interesting. What is the first thing that God tells us to do? No. You don't even have to pray about this. There's some things that you don't have to pray about. The very first thing that God tells us to do, Jesus tells us to do this, Brother Rob. No, that's not the first thing. What's that? Okay, give it to God. Bob? Forgive. The very first thing that Jesus says is to forgive. Why did Jesus then say, take it to your brother or take it to the church or whatever like that? Because people aren't willing to forgive. Yeah. So, again, we, we want, why do we immediately want to go to go and confront him? Why is that the first thing we always want to do? Because we want to be right. We want to be right. We want to make sure that we're getting this, you know, hey, you did something to me. I'm going to make sure you know about it. Why do we do that? Because of pride. It's about me. Friend, it's not about you. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why he says, forgive. And what does he say? I, Peter says, Lord, how oft shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? Should I forgive him seven times in a day? If he, for, if he does not, should I just keep forgiving him seven times? What does Jesus say? I say not unto these seven times, but seven times 70. It's amazing how we always skip over that part, isn't it? We always want to go to, well, I got to go and confront him. No, that's not what Jesus said to do. Jesus said, forgive. Was there forgiveness being done here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6? Nope. And in most cases, when we have something against somebody else, the very first thing we want to do is we want to make sure that they know that they've offended us. Instead of actually doing what Jesus said and just forgiving them. Well, I'll forgive them after I tell them that they, no, that's not what he said. I'll make sure they know that they offended me and then I'll forgive them. No. Why do you have to go and tell them they've offended you? Why do we want to go and tell them that they've offended us? Because it's about us. We want to make sure that they know they hurt us. 
We want to make sure that they, we want to make them feel bad. We don't want to make them feel guilty. Jesus said, just forgive them. They don't have to know it. But that just doesn't sit well with us, does it? It just doesn't sit well. Because now, who gets to know that we're right and wrong? Nobody. Nobody does. I, I am constantly amazed. I don't know how many times I've asked that question. What happened? What is the first thing you should do if somebody asked you? And I can probably tell you 99% of the time, the first thing that people say is, go and tell them. And that is not what Jesus had to do. Jesus said, forgive. How often, Lord, should I forgive? Seven times? Seventy times seven. Now, was Jesus saying, start counting? <laughs> All right, that was one. That was two. We're up to 49 right now. You got, you got another 400 and some to go, but I'm keeping track. And when we get to that 490, buddy, believe me, you're going to know. No, it's not what he's saying. He's saying you just keep forgiving. You keep forgiving. You keep forgiving, right? Now, he says, and when you go to that passage, I believe it's in, is it Matthew 16, is that where it is? Is it Matthew 18? I would make a smart comment about that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to. In Matthew chapter 18, right? And think about what he says. He says in verse number 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word may be established. If he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. What is this passage dealing with? When we think about it here in, um, in Matthew chapter 18, what is he dealing with when he says that, what is this trespass? And we've got about 30 seconds to answer this, and then we'll have to stop. What is this trespass? Does this mean if somebody didn't shake my hand, I've got to make sure and go and tell them that they didn't shake my hand? And then if they don't make it right, then I'm going to bring it to the church? Is that what he's talking about here? No, it's not what he's talking about. That's why he says forgive, right? Just forgive, let it go. And, and here's, if we could use the modern terminology today, this is what I think Jesus would say. Grow up. Grow up. We are so childish as adults, right? Grow up. This that he's speaking of here is something that is so serious that it would cause someone to be disciplined and removed from church. Removed from the church. Are you telling me that you're going to want to remove somebody from the church because they didn't shake your hand? Well, I might as well just leave because I'm, I'm sure there's been times when I haven't shaken somebody's hand. I might as well just resign as the pastor because I'm sure there's been times I haven't shaken somebody's hand in the church, Right? Are you telling me that's, that's, that's a thing that is so, well, you know, they, they didn't, you know, um, I, I asked them about something and, and they just responded really gruff to me and, and they just, they just, they were just very rude to me. So you're saying that's, that's worthy of removing them from the church? No, friend. 
We're talking, this is such an egregious sin. This is not just offense. These are sins that are so egregious that God says, hey, they either be dealt with or they need to be removed from the church. This is not just petty things. Now, again, this is where we always like to go. Uh, If they offended me, I'm going to go talk to them. No, this is such a serious thing, right? And we'll have to stop there. We'll pick it up uh, in a couple weeks. But um, this, this, is, this is more serious than, than what, you, what we understand and what we let on. But we'll, we'll deal with this in a couple weeks when we come back. Obviously, next Sunday we'll have our missionaries and things. But um, it is, and it's important to understand how to deal with it, right? Because there are going to be times when we may have to take somebody to court. So what do we do? How, how does that work, right? So we'll, we'll look into that uh, a little bit more, all right? We'll be dismissed. We'll come back in just a few minutes for our worship service.